Welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Well, this is the long-awaited part two of a two-part series on unified communication and collaboration. You may recall in episode 36 that we focused on the first C, communication. But in this episode, episode 38, we're going to take a look at the second C, collaboration, which is often overlooked. And to help me with this, I have two new guests from the previous episode. First of all, Rich Owen, connecting in from beautiful Wales, and Brandon Long, joining us from Oregon. They spend every waking hour thinking how to improve collaboration for our clients around the world. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, Weston. Great to be here. Excited to be here. And also joining me from the previous episode is Kevin Peters. Kevin, uh, thanks for giving us a hand today. Happy to join. Thanks. Now, why I invited this team? All of these are responsible in some way for our collaboration for our Unisys clients. Now, Rich and Kevin are on the front end, the inventing, the developing of the brand new collaboration capabilities for our customers. And Brandon, you take what Rich and Kevin create and figure out how to make it work for our customers. So we've got both the theory and we've got a reality check. So I'm looking forward to your your insights today. Now, I'd like to start off with taking a look back at Enterprise Connect. I think a lot of people were looking forward to learning, you know, what's coming new in communication and collaboration. I, I have a question though for you, because it seemed like a lot of the vendors were focusing on things that I would say are more in the communication space, like end-to-end encryption, uh, perimeter security, use of video. I'm not saying anything negative about those. Those are super important. But um, what was I missing if I was really looking for collaboration? Rich, maybe I'll start with you on that. Yeah, sure. Well, we happened to sort of zoom past the Zoom booth, see what I did there. Um, And they had a little feature that had been long used in the streaming community, which was like turning your face into an avatar. And we we sort of looked at this and rolled our eyes to the top of our heads and and then came back and said, well, where are we going to use this? And and the guy from Zoom was very sort of like uh, invigorated about this. Oh, well, you know, if you're not ready for your camera, you could join as a panda. Okay. And I went back to the hotel that night and and we were talking about that sort of thing. Is this a gateway for hyper-realistic avatars that could be of use into the modern collaborative workspace? And is that then a gateway into, dare I say it, more metaverse applications that can be coming down the line? We don't really want to be joining meetings as a panda or as something from a Nintendo game from 2008. But if you could realize yourself, high definition, and then join a meeting, that could be a conducive story. Yeah, that does give us something to think about. Uh, Brandon, um, was there some other point that you picked up from Enterprise Connect on the collaboration side that you'd like to share? Uh, I think it's interesting that we talk about unified communications and collaboration together, right? They go hand in hand. We, we say UC and C all the time. And um, I think it's it's hard for you know, a lot of our customers, but also partners to really differentiate between the two and what separates them. There's a lot to love on the unified communications space when it comes to collaborating, right? We have to talk, we have to meet together. It's, it's like, it's, it's core to the collaboration that we do. Uh, and then also on the, on the UC side of things, we, we tend to be more standardized. And so I think overall on the collaboration side, uh, there's a lot more diversity. There's a ton more tools that are available to us. Um, and uh, so 
you know, when you have these conversations and when you, when you have these events, I think these, you know, kind of these standard experiences start to, to rise to the top and we focus on that, that shared experience that we have. Um, and it's a little bit harder to, to talk about some of the collaboration tools and to understand the value of those collaboration tools and where they fit into business processes. Uh, so I think that's, that's part of the ongoing challenge. I saw that reflected at Enterprise Connect. And, and I think that that's our role is to really uh, figure out how do we how do we talk about collaboration tools uh, and collaboration overall in a way that, that's clear and effective and, and, uh, and mapped to the problems that the companies actually have. Well, I'd say I'm really eager to dig into what makes for effective collaboration, both from the technology side of things, as well as from process. But uh, maybe uh, let's just take a step back here for a second, gentlemen, and, and just talk about you know, what do we mean by collaboration? During the pandemic, enterprises madly rolled out Teams and Zoom and maybe WebEx, and the focus was on the first C, communication. How do we get people talking so that they can do their job? But a big part of doing your job is collaborating. Can you give us some fundamentals about collaboration? Brandon, maybe we can continue with you there. Yeah. So one of the ways that I kind of break up collaboration and categorize the different types of collaboration we do to, you know, to, to really talk about this is uh, in our synchronous and our asynchronous collaboration, right? The, the work that we do together right now, right? And this is a great example of it. Uh, so that's our synchronous collaboration, right? Um, we're together, we're all engaged, and there's an expectation that, that we're all working together in real time. And then there's our asynchronous collaboration, right? This is the stuff that we don't necessarily need to be connected. The work that we do uh, crosses time zones, right? It crosses days, it crosses weeks. And so I think it's helpful to kind of to break collaboration into those two categories and to, to largely treat them differently uh, and to understand where they have unique challenges and where they have uh, unique value points. And thinking about what we're doing right here, you brought this up as an example. So this is an example of synchronous. We're all together here. But in preparation for this, you know, we put together a kind of an outline of what we wanted to talk about. And I asked each of you in a shared document, you're all in different time zones to make some notes, you know, and hit on some points or ask questions or identify some topics you think would be interesting for our um, audience to listen to. So that would be a great example of the async collaboration that took place separately. Um, I'd like to ask this question here. Why is it that collaboration seems so difficult to accomplish? Yeah, I think there's kind of four big challenge areas for collaboration. The first is discoverability. Finding what you're looking for, finding how to use what you're looking for, maybe which tools you're supposed to be using. It's kind of funny. Sometimes discoverability works the wrong way in these scenarios. Uh, I have a, a team I use for my job every day, and we get random requests from people all the time to join our team because it's a public team. You can search for it. And these people really, I mean, not, not to be rude. They have no business being in the team. They're not going to get any value from it. We don't need their input. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's nice that they, they want to learn some stuff, but they're, they're realistically, they're finding the wrong thing. <laughs> so discoverability is a big one. And I, I kind of just tended on the next one as well, which is access. Even if I can find what I'm looking for, do I have the right access? Can I edit a document? Uh, we actually have a lot of things we do with other teams where we have view-only permissions on something, and then I have to figure out a way around those view-only permissions, like whether it's screenshotting and marking up, or maybe they're just using a file format like a PDF where I have to have a different app to edit the document instead of using a Word document. How do you manage that access is really big too. A lot of companies are really tight on how you own a team and who can access it or a SharePoint library. 
and then you get into a scenario where every time you want to add some money to the team or give them permission to a, a document, uh, you have to go through all this this extra work just to get somebody to be able to collaborate with you. So that's a big one. Um, next is really just knowledge, knowledge of what is there and how to use it. Simple things like even knowledge of how to name things so other people can find it. Naming conventions are one of the most overlooked things. Um, most deployments I've seen don't, don't have good naming conventions being enforced. And then you have seven teams that are really trying to do the same thing, and you don't know which one to go to. Uh, and then the last one is really just desire, right? Do people want to use the tools you're giving them? Are you giving them a reason to want to use them? And the, a lot of that comes down to just you know change management. Have you done what you needed to do with your end users? Have you given them the right experience? And are, are they then going to go use that? Do they want to use that? Have you made it easy to use it? Or are they going to go, you know, I, I really don't like how we've deployed this. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to use something else. Uh, I'm going to grab a piece of something we'll call shadow IT and they'll, they'll start using that. And that just kind of breaks all the work that was done from a corporate point of view. So, you know, those are kind of the big areas where a lot of organizations are missing and the big areas where collaboration does get hard. One thing that I just want to respond to there, Kevin, that you said, and I think is so correct is to your point on desire. Are we giving users a reason to want to use the tools? For most of our business users that we're supporting, that um, they're going to get their jobs done, right? And they, you know, for the past 30 years, even longer, uh, have had the tools, even if they're crude, to get their job done, right? And so it's really understanding like, hey, what what are the problems that they face uh, and how can we, you know, map new tools into those problems to solve some of those business problems they have and lead to better outcomes so that we're not saying like, here's a new thing to go learn, Nobody wants to do that, but to say, here's a solution to a problem that you have, and this is going to make you more productive. It's going to make your day better. And if we can really kind of focus on that desire, I think we can overcome some of those those challenges and, and just make collaboration better overall. I mean, one of those desires there is to capitalize on consumerization. Before we, we came into the pandemic and everyone started working from home, we had a very sort of idyllic view of how we could collaborate, and it was one tool. And then when everyone worked from home and we we're going through the pandemic, there was Teams, there was there was Zoom, there was Google Meet, goodness knows whatever else. People were joining, like I was saying, as, as avatars into meetings just to spice things up during that difficult transition period where people who weren't used to working from home then started working from home. Just to go back to what Kevin was saying about naming the team correctly, this one particular company bought another company and we found that the exchange environment didn't have a naming convention as such. Well, it did, but it was named after rivers of the world. <laughs> Unless you sort of majored in geography, you had no idea what any of these servers were doing. You gentlemen have really covered some of the challenges, the real world challenges that I think uh, many people can relate to with collaborating. So let's get into some best practices. What would you recommend as uh, some ways that enterprises can be thinking about how to have uh, safe, secure, effective, and I'll say even enjoyable collaboration? Well, I don't know about so enjoyable. I mean, just making it usable takes away some of the stress of what we do anyway, <laughs> doesn't it really? Back when Teams was first sort of like introduced, um, Typically, in the general channel, that should just be for general announcements, general housekeeping. And then your other channels below that are then really for the content that you, you, you should be collaborating in. And I always think one of the good things to, to put in that general tab is, hey, when you do your team, right at the top level, put a description in so people 
stand a chance if they can't read the naming convention of what you're trying to do, but perhaps a little readme file at the top. This is what this channel is and team is all about. And this is how we'd like you to collaborate. If you have read access, then contact these people, that sort of thing. You know, just a little bit of housekeeping in that aspect, I think, would, would do absolute wonders. Well, it certainly would help, I think, in your example you gave earlier, Rich, where you used to work and they named their teams after names of rivers. At least if they continue to do that, you could look at the readme in the description and figure out, you know, the Amazon, what is that all about? What does that actually mean for my company? Yeah. Well, at least your geography will get better. <laughs> and that too. Brandon, what are, what are some suggestions you might have maybe for administrators? Administrators. Yeah, that's a tough one. I spend a lot of time talking to IT people about collaboration and also talking to business people about collaboration. And those conversations are, are very different. Technical people, I think, have a tendency to look at collaboration being the goal, to fall in love with tools. Um, and then you talk to business users and you see something very different. You see that the collaboration is actually the challenge not the goal. And their goal is business outcomes, right? And collaboration is a mountain to overcome. And so they're looking for tools to help them climb that mountain and to drive better business outcomes. And so I think if I'm talking to admins, it's really to, to, to help map their problems, their business problems to technology solutions and to not fall in love with the tool to not be overly focused on the actual collaboration itself, but to really say, uh, hey, you know, what is the problem that you have? And here is the best in class tool. Here are the best practices uh, to solve that problem. And I'm going to walk alongside of you. The other thing that I'm seeing as I'm talking to admins is, is our roles are, are changing. The, the role of you know, what it means to be somebody in technology, an IT person is largely changing. We spend way less time configuring technical things. And so as we're, as we're really reevaluating, uh, you know, even our own role in all of this, it's to say, hey, we should really be focusing more to be a liaison between technology and business problems. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to pick on you just for a second here. We hear the expression Zoom gloom being in meetings seven, eight hours a day. Are there some best practices that you'd like to share? This would be more on the user side as we create meetings. We just heard from you, Brandon, about the admin side, but on the user side, what are some thoughts you have? For me, one of the big things I like to do is uh, change my default meeting reminder. I hate the 15-minute the meeting reminder and then the five-minute meeting reminder and then the zero minute. I'm kind of like most people these days, stacked in meeting after meeting after meeting. And it's the form of context switching or interruption that happens when you're in a call. You know, you're 15 minutes into your current meeting. You've got 15 minutes to your next meeting. And you get a notification, hey, you've got this thing coming up. And then my brain, of course, goes, oh, I've got to think about this meeting. And I've got to, I've got to acknowledge this thing that popped up on my screen because that's very much the way my mind works. That has, like, has a minimal amount of impact for me where it's like, well, my, my whole train of thought is lost now. Halfway through a meeting, I've just been interrupted. And so it, and I've, I've written articles before about avoiding distraction and, you know, that's very much how I have to work. So um, that one, I, th I think helps a lot. And every time I get the 15 minute reminder from somebody, I'm a little bit annoyed by it. Um, so I hope everybody can switch to like the five minute reminder. Maybe that'd be great. And then the other two, and these are all outlook settings, right? One is shorter meetings back to back to back to back means my first meeting's late. Uh, I'm trying to get coffee Whatever it is, you know, I, I, I need a bio break because I've had too much coffee, right? All those things happen. And you, you really, I don't know that 30 minutes is the right amount of time for the meeting anyway, right? Maybe it's 25, maybe it's 15. So 
I try not to schedule default meeting lengths anyway, but then I've shortened them. So my default settings are for 25 minutes and 50 minutes for the instead of the 30 minutes and, and one hour. That gives people a little bit of extra time to catch up on their meetings or to get some coffee or to just take a minute and breathe and let their headspace adjust before the next meeting. Mm-hmm. And if I don't need 25 minutes, if I need five or 10 minutes, I, I just schedule five or 10 minutes, right? Those are the big ones for me. That's such a brilliant idea. My team just recently started looking for opportunities to take our 30-minute meetings and schedule two 15-minute meetings. So we'll have a 15-minute meeting in the morning, like 10 a.m., and then we'll have a 15-minute meeting at 3 o'clock. And that is so much better than two 30-minute meetings separated by a week, right? Our our outcomes are better. We execute faster. There's just all these benefits that we're seeing from a really small change. And that also 10, 15 a.m. leaves 15 minutes for being a human, not just a a meeting Android. (laughs) And it's amazing how that has changed the way we work. I think, Rich, you were wanting to say something and I stepped on you there. Um, I think it was when to use a chat tool, when to use an email. If an email is between two people, then why couldn't it be a chat? Why couldn't it be a phone conversation? Why couldn't it be a video conversation? I never check my email now. Please don't tell the boss that. But perhaps once in the morning, once in the evening, anything in between, I work directly out of the collaboration hub. So for me, I I find it a more conducive way of working. So that's what I would encourage people to do, to spend less time in mail and more time in semi-realistic communication or synchronous communication. Let's switch gears here. You know, we've talked about the challenges. We've talked about um, the some of the best practices to avoid those challenges. But let's let's maybe look at a real world example of a of a customer that you think you would like to showcase as somebody that is doing this really well. And I'm talking about collaboration. So I've worked with a client recently. Uh, this company is super large. They manage billions of dollars uh, financial assets for, for their customers all over the world, right? And they have a team that's primarily responsible for, uh, for those customer relationships and those engagements, and even really specifically for sending financial updates every single day to specific customers. And the processes that they had really satisfied their customers but it was incredibly manual. And so they talked to the people who are responsible for these communications and these customer relationships. It was incredibly inefficient. The entire process was based off of email distribution lists and emails and attached files and legacy traditional file shares. So what they did was documented what that process is, where the inefficiencies were, and, and we really helped them understand all of the technology that they had access to that sped that process up. This was about building efficiencies within a well-established process. And so, you know, the outcome of that was um, with OneDrive and with Teams channels uh, and with some co-authoring and a little bit of automation, um, a task that took three or four people about four hours every single day now took two people about an hour and the customer perceived no change. The customer was still satisfied. And they freed up so much time for their internal resources by engaging in this. So a really, really exciting example of specifically how this how this went right for this customer. I think that highlights the fact that we've got access to so many tools now. What are all those things hanging off the edge of my team's apps list? You know, what do I do with them? And, and can I use them effectively? You, you need some training, you need some guidance in how to use them. Uh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Um, Rich. 
you and Kevin are working on the, the bleeding edge side of things, you know, what's coming next with collaboration. Um, in my podcast, I just released with two gentlemen from Qualtrics, we talked about uh, sentiment, employee happiness, employee well-being. Typically, those have been HR functions. Should we be talking about that a little bit here in this collaboration space? I mean, what's what's coming in the way of data we're collecting around well-being with our collab tools? Typically, I think well-being has been, hey, have you got a bad back? Is your chair correct? Sitting down is the new smoking, so they're saying. So everyone's going after these desks that go up and down. But also, it's a bit more than that as well. We've already touched on how much time we spend in meetings. Is that conducive to good collaboration? How much time do you spend on your headset? Uh, is the volume too loud? I think we've done the, the reoccurring meetings and a, a meeting length bit already on this podcast. And also about when to use the right tool, you know. Are you going to suffer from email atrophy? Never mind Zoom gloom, when perhaps a chat or a conversation will just be just as good. I mean, how much time are people now spending in work? Now we have a hybrid workforce as well. And if you're already working long hours, for example, say you've done 50 hours and it's only Wednesday and you've got a meeting in the office on Thursday, should you be traveling in? Should you be best served doing this from home and not only being more productive, but taking a bit of time for yourself? Microsoft Teams does a very good job of this by partnering with uh, companies like Headspace, which say, hey, you know, are you ready to breathe or meditate or have that virtual commute to and from work, which a lot of people use to actually wind down so they don't be all grumpy when they come in with their families. Or to listen to a podcast. Well, yeah, or listen to a podcast. Exactly. Um, and sometimes some of the meetings... And you might have, say, 30, 40 people on a meeting. Only three or four people may be speaking. Is that a good use of your time? Can, can the minutes be transcribed from a meeting and then sent out for you to read at your leisure or dictated to you text to voice while you're doing something else if you really need to be in that meeting? So in regards to wellness, like I said, it's not about having a bad knee or a bad back and how you get treatment for that. Because the way we are working is different. And we've got to adapt to this way of working because more than likely, I don't see it going backwards. One acronym that we've not used on this podcast is XLA, which is odd because we talk about it so frequently. But I'm wondering, Rich, as we look at the XLAs of the future, are some of these things you've just talked about, wellness and well-being related, the data that we can be collecting from our collaboration and even communication tools, is that something that should you think eventually be part of our future XLAs? I do. Yeah, I really do think so. I mean, up until recently, we had the traditional sentiment surveys from Glint and Qualtrics, you know, voice of the workforce sort of thing. You know, how are things going? Some companies do these every six weeks, other companies do it every six months or even once a year. And I think these surveys are really good. It's a point in time. Employees and people though are really fickle. Uh, you might not have had a pay rise off your manager, or you might have had a big argument in work, and therefore you may be jaded somewhat in regards to the experience that you're having. Okay, and as a result of this, um, what you could be then looking at is other tools to back up that data, or perhaps even disavow that data. So you've got tools like you know Microsoft Fever Insights that's hitting the market now, and people are adopting, which can actually look at how you're using the collaboration suite which will give another view. Then add that with other tools like PowerSuite, which will then drill down into the technology to how people's meetings are. And when you think about how, how we, we judge an experience with our technology, it used to be a case of when your email went down, 
that was it. Life had ended. You're on the phone to the help desk. I can't get my email. The business has stopped. Now it's more a case of, well, do I get a good quality of experience when I'm having a meeting? Is the audio good? Is the video good? Is my broadband dropping in and out? So I think all these tools, when joined together, paint a picture of the end user experience. And that's where I think it's going. And I think we see the rise then of the data scientists to make sense of it all. Let's just do a quick recap here of what we've heard today. We talked about some of the challenges of secure and effective collaboration. We've looked at some best practices. We looked at an example of uh, an enterprise that seems to be doing a very good job with improving their collaboration. And I think I'd like to end up here with uh, maybe some, some fast tips. What are some suggestions you'd like to share with our listeners? One thing that they could be doing different as they look at collaboration in 2022. Rich, let's start with you. Right tool for the right job. Why send an email when you could have a chat or a telephone conversation and bring the person back into collaboration? Find the right ways to educate your users. Yeah, don't fall in love with tools. Fall in love with better business outcomes. Well, you've uh, heard it here on the Digital Workplace Deep Dive discussion about challenges of great collaboration, how to achieve great collaboration. Well, can't even say it. That's lovely, that is. That's how hard, that's how hard collaboration <laughs> is. You can't even say the word. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that one more time. You've been listening to Rich Owen, Kevin Peters, and Brandon Long. These are the folks that are driving what's new with collaboration at Unisys and also helping our customers to be effective with it. I want to thank each of you for taking some time today to share your thoughts. Cheers. Thanks, all. You have been listening to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thanks for listening.